Hey everyone, it's Afro Thuz here, and it's another episode of Pieces of the Puzzle. It's episode 3, and today's topic is Pro Tour 25th Anniversary. And this podcast's a little different than usual, as I have a guest with me, Buttons Gaming, who is a fellow and superior MTG streamer. Hey man, how's it going? Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fantastic as always, man. It was uh, it was an exciting weekend, both for magic-related reasons and otherwise. Uh, obviously, the Pro Tour dominated all of it, though, so it'll be exciting to uh, have someone to talk to about it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been an interesting Pro Tour. Uh, we've got, I mean, it's Team Series, uh, which is an interesting one, seeing uh, three different formats happening at once. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's interesting because... I've played in a team event recently. I played in the RPTQ, so I can kind of relate to this event on that axis of playing in a team tournament. But then on the other hand, this was three different formats, so you've heard a lot of the pros saying the way that they prepared for the event almost felt a little isolated because you were so set on, say, finding a legacy deck with that, that didn't use uh, Deathrite Shaman, and your other teammate was focusing on Modern. So... Um, I don't know. I think most people liked it, right? Most people liked playing on teams. I think we're hearing generally positive results for that aspect, right? The format choice. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because, um, of course, yeah, like the kind of the kind of team formats that we've seen before have been like a single format, but you've got to like not share cards. Or we've seen a lot of a lot of uh, limited as well. Like, well, not a lot of. But we've seen some limited as well. Yeah, and I think like limited brings you together to prepare, and you and your teammates have to come together and figure out archetypes and how you can divide colors. And uh, the unified format for the RPTQ had that. Also, this Pro Tour just like didn't have that aspect of it. It was very much like you know, you would see teams that had Teferi in multiple formats or. You know, they were playing, the you know, your Bomac Courier in your red-black deck in standard and in your, you know, Deathrite Shaman-less Delver deck in uh, Legacy. Um, so it's kind of curious in that way. I'm not sh- I'm not sure how soon there will be another team Pro Tour. Uh, what do you think about that? You think there will be any more in, like, the next five years? Uh, that is a good question. I kind of want to say... Possibly yes, because people do seem to enjoy it, and I think uh, one of the important ways to sort of look at this as well is this was a really nice way to showcase legacy, but I don't think they're really ready to say let's just have a legacy pro tour. I don't think that that'll ever happen a legacy pro tour unless they allowed proxying, uh, proxying cards because it's it's an interesting advertisement for the game and we got to remember that these things the pro tours they should be advertisements for the game like the world series is meant to sell you baseball and jerseys uh and hats it's it's not in the super bowl sells football and commercial time um so if a legacy pro tour that's not accessible to most people it doesn't really sell the game very much it's presenting this old archaic thing that they probably don't have access to um and it also is not competitive because you're keeping out the best players. Some of the you're potentially keeping out very good players who couldn't afford to to play. So unless they allow proxying, which 
it's cool that I've seen some stores allow proxying for legacy tournaments. I haven't played any yet, but I've seen stores that allow you to proxy like half of your deck or more. I don't know if you've seen anything like that, but I, I'd I'd personally love to play legacy if I could proxy something up. Yeah, I think that's that is the issue, isn't it? Legacy is like a really cool format. You see, like there's so many cards, and you think I would love to play this somewhere, but you can't because it's in the legacy. It's in legacy or vintage, and it's like I'm not going to, you know, get another mortgage or never be able to buy a house so then I can get the land base necessarily for these decks. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's quite true. And the idea of the proxying is is something that. People are always always talking about because they're like, well, the thing that puts the barrier there is the reserve lists. You won't get rid of the reserve lists. So can we do something like proxying? Look, it doesn't affect the price of the cards necessarily. Although you could argue it would because people would say, well, if I can proxy, then why would I buy these cards? And that's where I think you get all this weird stuff. And hmm. Well, I think Legacy also just has such interesting play patterns because of these like crazy cards like the triple dread of night uh triple days your what was it batter school yeah. in the legacy final match like the no one's playing dread of night no one's seen that card except for in legacy and so you can show these like very you know old school cards uh and i don't know how expensive dread of night is i should look this up right now i'm curious how expensive do you think dread of night is okay. right i now. mean well it's either going to be like stupidly expensive, but it's actually always been because there's not that many left in the world, or it's going to be like pennies. It, it appears to be roughly a dollar. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and there's going to be loads kind of, of neither of the things that you said, right? Because you said super expensive or pennies. I guess a dollar and twenty four cents is pennies, and that any amount is pennies. That's kind of right in the middle of what you said. Yeah, just take what I'm saying literally, and then you'll, uh, and then you'll, and then you'll win. really make me look like a fool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you could all. Oh, you could always take me literally. I didn't realize we were out here taking people literally. I'm not expecting penny dreadful cards, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I suppose I don't know. It, is this a common? Could you play this in popper? Is it dread of night? It looks like a common. A lot of these cards look like. Now that would make for an interesting pro tour. Would you support a popper pro tour? I mean, yes, if they uh, only if it's an uncommon, sadly. Um, but I would if they do something about popper because it's like it's. How do you mean that? It's it's a it's a format <laughs> like it's it's a good format. I I, I like popper. I'd like to get more into it. Um, but it has a load of sort of issues, which is like one, it's technically only a format on MTGO. I know they have they're starting to do stuff at like GPs, but they haven't. They all they go is, eh, we'll just use the rules for MTGO. We're not going to do anything else. We're not going to say anything about it. And then also, if they go, well, if we're going to make a master set, or even if we're going to make a next set for the for any of these next sets, are there any are there any pauper reprints we can do, which would be nice, or maybe it won't break standard or something. Um, I'm not saying that they have to go into standards, so you've got these other things you can do, even like just having a load of them and things like, I mean, maybe people don't want master sets anymore. They want things like Battle Bond. Do, um, you, um, do you have any specific reprints in mind that you think would really help Popper out if they were to be reprinted? Oubliette? 
I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> yes, oubliette, which is a word that means something. I can't remember, but it's uh, basically the black. Uh, it's spelled O U B L I E T T E. It means a secret dungeon with access only through a trapdoor in its ceiling. Mm. So basically, it exiles a creature. Oh yeah, it is, but it's black. Oh wow. It also exiles, it's, it's really weird, it also exiles auras attached to the creature. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen the price of this card? It's $43. Yeah. Life. And Is it proper legal? Yes, it is. Uh, it is one of the important cards for the mono black control decks. Which, to be fair, I don't think they're as powerful as they used to be, but... So, remain, but are also out of place. So then, if they remove the oubliette, it gets the attachments back, right? All counters and attachments remain, but are also out of play, and then return the creature to, to play tapped. Yeah, wow. Well, so anyway, about Popper, what's interesting is I think it has a lot of the play patterns that Legacy has. Yes. Um, although without fetch lands, which is admittedly huge, but you still have the the ponder brainstorm. Um, days is Popper legal, right? Um, is it? Yes, it is. is it? Yeah, that's why yeah, it's so expensive it, on. Uh, on Moda. It's one of the Moda. main reasons. It's actually yeah, I mean, not a legacy thing. Yeah, you just you have a lot of that. And it's affordable-ish, at least it's insanely affordable if compared to legacy. So I know that I personally after watching, I was the most drawn of the legacy match, legacy matches during the Pro Tour. After watching that, I'm gonna I'm gonna look into getting more invested in Popper as like a realistic compromise for a way to get those play patterns. Like I've I've never cast I've never resolved a brainstorm. Oh, yeah. I think it's, it's, I think it's, it's about time to change that. It's great um, or terrible when it's weird in Pauper because you can't shuffle as much. And that's kind of what makes it fair, though, right? Like, so that admittedly makes it a lot different than Legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a huge difference that you can't shuffle. And I feel like Brainstorm is one of the defining cards for Legacy, right? Yeah. Just as far as pace of play and, uh, you know, interactions that matter. Um. Yeah, I want to resolve a brainstorm. Any recommendations for popper decks that have brainstorm? Uh, is it Delver? Is it Delver? I don't know. Is it? Is it? Is it? But you also get to play another card, which people hate, uh, which is, um, which is Ninja of the Deep Hours. Yeah. That oh, another card with ninjutsu. Yeah. Which is great oh, because man. you you ninjutsu this card in, and if they can't kill it, you draw a card. Just free draw card. Oh, I love it. Because it's whenever it deals damage to a player, you, you may draw a card. So if they can't kill it, you by by the way that ninjutsu is worded, it must therefore, unless you fog it, you know, do combat damage to a player. Wow. I have not thought about that. Because you can't block it, right? Well, you just switch it after blocks. Yeah, exactly. Because you can only switch it if it hasn't been blocked. Oh, I see. That's the rule. Return an unblocked attacker you control to hand. Put this card into play from your hand tapped and attacking. Wow. That's ninjutsu. Do you think there are any ninjutsu cards cast at the Pro Tour, which is meant to be the topic of our conversation? Oh, yes, it definitely is. <laughs> We've already got a topic. It's beautiful. Uh, no, I think uh, almost definitely not, but never say never. I mean, this is this is Team Series Pro Tour, which is another thing I wanted to say, because I believe you've done team stuff, is do you not have this merit of going... Oh, do I really want to play this deck? I think it could be good, but what if I just ruin 
the de- like the tournament for these two friends of mine that I've got with me. Right? Um it's it's tough, right? It's it's kind of I kind of had like a free pass in that I was the one that won a PPTQ in that season, so I got to choose two people. So even if I underperformed, it's like, dog, you wouldn't be here if I didn't choose you as a teammate, so you can't really give me anything. You know, you can't give me any grief. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, like, yeah, you totally feel a responsibility for uh, for your teammates and pulling your weight. I think that – I believe that we went 3-3 three and three at the RPTQ. Um, yeah, we didn't go 4-2. and two. And I think that I was personally 3-3, three and three, and I think that I had, like, the, just the record – uh, you know, in every round that we lost, every round that I lost, we lost. So there wasn't a round that I lost and both of my teammates won. Um, and, you know, I, I still kind of feel like that, like if I had won, if I went 6-0, and we would have gone 6-0 and because there wasn't any any round where... You all lost. Uh, where, yeah, where both my teammates lost. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's hard. Luckily, I mean, it was cool because we had a unified format. So it's like we built each other's decks and we helped each other confirm their decks and test and stuff. So it's kind of like, look, dude, if I'm on a bad build of mono red, you guys help me pick this. You help me test this. Um, it would have been way worse in this pro tour team environment where I would choose a standard deck kind of in isolation and people would, my teammates would be trusting me to handle standard because they're trying to learn modern or trying to learn legacy or trying to pick something to beat the minefield that is modern. And mm-hmm. I just totally let them down on the easier format that's standard. Um, if I was in this Pro Tour, I'm sure that I would have just brought Red Black. And I think that's something that, going into it, I actually didn't account for. Like, I was super uh, surprised to see that it was 40% Red Black and standard. And then I was surprised by the fact that that surprised me. Because we had the last Pro Tour where everyone was on Red Black. We've had Grand Prix where people are still just, the field is predominantly Red Black. And you have all these pros who have been playing not standard for a little bit. It makes sense that they'll just come pick up red black, um, and just jam with that. And then you know, so we see Martin Yuza, Owen Turtonwald, all these people that have been killing with red black. Of course, they're going to play red black. And I don't know why that surprised me. Yeah, exactly. I think one of the reasons I think it surprised people, it surprised me, because it was like everyone was saying, "What's going to be added to all these lists?" is ballless. They're going to change them to make sure they can cast ballless because it's the card to play, right? But people weren't certain about it, maybe. Maybe they weren't too sure how if, it, if it's going to be one of those where it's going to be risk-reward, so although it might make certain matchups a lot easier, it might stag- it might have problems adding in another colour to things where you want to play basically a mono-red deck, which is also black. Um, those kind of things. And also... Again, like, do you want to do you want to risk something where you know you've got a deck which you've played, and you've got you might have a year's worth of experience with almost, um, and you know you can perform well with it, or do you want to pick up something new? You know that yeah, that this is almost concerning to me because I want to be playing Nicol Bolas in Los Angeles, but all of these pro teams sat down and tested and. I like. I was astonished that there wasn't any or very little Grixis towards the towards the top of the percentage list. That you, you know, I know you sent me a picture of and people saw the standard meta breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, it's forty percent red black, which is apparently to be expected. Grixis mid range is three percent. Yeah. Um, 
there's there's three Grixis controls. They almost certain Grixis control almost certainly has Nickel Bolas, right? That's one reason why it'd be Grixis control. And there's three copies of Bolas Red, so that's six. There's 19 copies of Grixis mid range, whereas there's 66 copies of just Red Black Aggro. Yeah, I mean, there's green. I mean, green white mid range existing. What's weird? I don't even know if those Grixis control players did deck. If those Grixis control decks did play. Um, the bolus, bolus. because I, I was reading a, st- a statistic from somewhere on Twitter which also said that there were more Vivian Reeds in the Pro Tour than there were Nickel Boluses. Well, if you think about those 30 something green players, how many Vivian Reeds? They might have two in each sideboard, 31 green players. Oh, that's true. I didn't think about them just being in there because I, I saw them in these green white mid range decks. Actually, to be fair, there was only two. Green white mid range decks, but yeah, two green white mid range decks, two black green constrictor decks that might have it. One Abzan control. I was actually looking at the Abzan control list. It's black white splashing, uh, Braska, yeah. right? Which is actually so. a deck that existed before Dominaria. I had not seen that then. Was it still just what did it get from Dominaria? Anything? I have no idea. Like, <laughs> I haven't seen it since pre Dominaria. It was like basically in the Ricks sort of era um, that I last saw it. And then obviously like Dominaria came out and nobody was like, why would you play this? Why would you? Yeah. I don't know why you would play something like that. Hmm. I mean, and maybe, you know, that's what's cool about magic is you can just kind of make it work. You can try and make it work with whatever interest you have. Like I've been on the shred black kick for a long time and it's like nickel bolus is exactly what the red black controllers I was playing pre m19 was trying to do it's you know i want to make you discard i want to loop creatures from my graveyard for value i want to recur planeswalkers with um with uh what's the the eldest reborn yeah and so it's like that what that deck was trying to do is is nickel bolas embodied in a card so it seems like if i want to be doing that i should be grixis i think what's interesting there's a card which i think which a lot of people well, some people have said, oh, if this was slightly different, then maybe. Because, like, you look at... this is an odd thing to bring up, because I don't think it would you would have seen it in the maybe at all in, in the Pro Tour. But if you look at the, the free mana Sarkin card, right? That yeah. seemed like this really cool way to go, how would you like to play any dragon you want? Including, of course, Nicol Bolas in a red deck. But because the mana ability says only to cast dragons and it doesn't talk about their dragon abilities it's not as good as it could have been and i think that's one of the slightest things that make ballers decks a bit weaker because they still want to be playing like the red grixis decks you know i think to be fair that's pretty brilliant design i think that's like creating a card that has a powerful effect and is an attractive build around which you know you want those kind of lightning rod things where people are like holy shit like i want to start with this and go outward um but at the same time like it, it does have the drawback where it's sure it's mana ramp but it's only for dragons and then his plus one his i think it's the plus one that says you may discard up to one card uh i think that's pretty cool kind of like well crap i'm not holding any dragons let me go about finding some dragons in a very red way that is uh, rummaging, you know, discarding to draw. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's a cool card. I actually haven't messed around with it yet, but it, it seems potentially on my alley. I've definitely lost to 
Dragon's Horde decks, and mm-hmm. I've also beaten Sarkon Dragon's Horde decks. Um, what do you think about Sarkon's Unsealing? That's the enchantment, right? Yeah, that card's crazy. Like, I've seen a janky modern deck that plays it. And oh, it's, no way. Yeah, so... He, well, I, I mean, what happens when you cast uh, Death Shadow at any life with that card? That card sees that Death Shadow's a 13-13. Oh, no way. Yeah. It's like, and you've got loads of, and you've got actually a lot more cards than you think that are able to hit those numbers. Because there's, I think there's something like there's a 7-7 seven, seven which gets minus X, minus X, where X is the number of cards in someone's hand. And that costs. I think I remember a card like that from Amonkhet. Yeah, there's um, the the Amonkhet ones. I think of just a five five. Oh, okay, but it's a similar effect. Mm. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, so all of a sudden it's like, oh, and you've got access to all these because you know when you look, you know, there's always going to be at some point like a card which is cheap on purpose because it seems like it has really good stats, but then it has these downsides, right? Death Shadow is the one where it's like it has the best downside, um, but there's there's other ones similar to that, and that's where things like Sarkins and Ceiling go. I don't care what it looks like on the battlefield. I just care what it looks like, <laughs> down, just just what's written on the card. So it's just like a one mana wipe your board at any point. And yeah. If it happens if you happen to have less than thirteen life, then it's also a creature. Well, I guess it's a five mana because you do need the four mana enchantment in play. So we can't just write that off. That is true. That is very true. You have to remember that when we're building decks. <laughs> yes, because that's how I've lost. I've lost because of that, definitely. Speaking of five mana wipe your board and going back to the Pro Tour, mm-hmm. I did find in that Abzan deck what they got from Dominaria, and it is one Cleansing, cleansing Nova. Nova in the main and one Cleansing Nova in the side. Um, very interesting card. I think it's interesting that they have this instead of Fumigate, but I mean the upside here seems this this seems better than Fumigate in most decks because Fumigate's upside is you draw life. This upside is that you could also use it as an artifact or enchant mass artifact or enchantment removal if you so choose. Mm. Um, I mean that added flexibility potentially is like way more upside than gaining some life because usually you only gain three or four life, right? True. Um, this deck doesn't really have its own creatures to be incidentally gaining life off of. Um, and it looks like kind of a one-for-one one deck, so you don't really... I don't know, and it's just a one-of. It's just a one-of. It's not like it's a major part of their defensive plan is to have access to Cleansing Nova on turn five. Mm-hmm. Um, four History of Benalia also in the deck. Yeah. I don't know. What um, What do you think about the Modern this weekend? I thought that it was pretty interesting seeing Modern coming into the Pro Tour after we've had a lot of Modern recently. Obviously, there's some very powerful decks in Modern right now. Um, what do you think about the coverage? How things shook up? Yeah, I mean, um, well, it was the second M19 card that I saw. It was in a Modern deck. That was interesting. The first one was actually in a Legacy deck. Do you know what that was? An M19 card in a Legacy deck. Yeah. Um, no, I don't know. What was the first card you saw? It was it was actually in the first game, and it was um, Omniscience, because it was the blue... I forgot what it's called. Basically, just put this card in, into play, and then I win. Yeah, oh, you may cast the card yeah. for 
you may cast cards from your hand for free, right? Yeah. So you basically you like I can't was it I think it was show and tell. So it was one of blue show and tell. You basically just oh, go wow. right, then play omniscient, then put omniscience down because you can also just show and tell Emrakul because you've got Emrakul in the deck. Yeah. Um. But why 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 show and tell Emrakul when you can show and tell omniscience and then cast Emrakul <laughs> and then you just win. Oh, because you you've now cast Emrakul. Exactly. You've cast Emrakul from your hand. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, Militia Bugler, obviously in Modern. Is that where you... That is number that? two. And that's the one that's yeah. not only like an M19 card, but an original. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been loving it in Standard Path of Metal, but we should keep the conversation to Modern. And I think it's, it's super interesting just the amount of consistency and the amount of gas that it gives you. I mean, a 2-3 body, a 2-3 human body in that deck is just so real um, the, with the fact that it, you know, replaces itself. Yeah, it, it draws it you deeper. Gun. It gives you some selection, too. But that's the thing. It doesn't um, just replace itself. It also set like, because one of the core strengths, I mean, it's an aggro deck, right? The human's deck just wants to hit you as hard as it possibly can. But it's able to do all of these things because it's also able to find humans that are just spells. Yeah, just keep it flowing. Exactly. So if you play a Militia Bugler and you just go, right, cool, well, actually, I don't know about this attack. They could have something interesting. I know, I'm going to try to find myself um, a Kite free Bugler. Right? Or they have a big thing that I really don't want to be on the battlefield, so I'll just find um, that mage that I forgot the name. Reflector mage. There we go. The ref- yeah, the most reflective of mages, and then and it's just like that's the thing. It's not just that it replaces itself, but it's also able to find you, like exactly what you need, which is insane. yeah. And I feel like in that deck, it probably does not whiff very often. No, and it's yeah, it's interesting because it it basically just took up some flex slots, which I think for x amount of decks were just the um, the restoration angel which they were like is good but you know sometimes it just feels weird i i really like the one of kessig malcontent in a lot of the decks i think that's pretty good for just it's very situational but it's just nice to have a one of that's the one that when it enters the battlefield uh it deals damage to target opponent i assume maybe any target uh equal to number of humans yeah, you target have. player target player you yes could hit yourself i mean oh well, that'd be good um, but you know, it's just a night, it's basically like a Mantis Rider that doesn't need to attack at a certain point in the game. Sometimes it's four or five damage, six in a really stalled out game. Um, that's kind of hard to counter prevent, you know, you can't path of exile and stop it. So it's like, yeah, a Mantis Rider that doesn't need to attack or more. Um, you just file that in. It's like, have you got a stifle effect? Cause, uh, yeah. that might be it. Yeah. Um, that card is sweet. That's very much like my kind of card. Um, speaking of bouncing big creatures that you don't want in play, Hollow One, how do you feel about a deck like that? I tried to play that deck and failed miserably, actually, which is kind of... I don't know. It's it's embarrassing a little bit. It's the weirdest deck, right? I just... It's just... I, I look at it sometimes and I just go, what? <laughs> like, how is this the thing that you want to be doing? It's like, oh, how, how would you like to play your magic today? I'd like to roll a lot of dice. And see, that's what I'd like and, to do. 
And for some people, that is so just pure the essence of magic. Some people, that is what got them into it, and they love it so much. Just, ah, I got it. I got this four four in play. Actually, I got a second one. Your turn. Go ahead. Yeah, it's like, oh, I just and, discarded two hollow ones, but it's okay because I'm gonna play two hollow ones. What? Um, yeah. Yeah. Weird stuff like that. I think. Um, I think red black is beautiful in the format. Um, in which format? In in modern. Just the red black shell. Yes, I think that's what really helps because when you watch all of the matches that go along, it wins because of everything else, right? So if you can win immediately if you're able to just go like hollow one, hollow one, possibly hollow one again. And start to get all your other pieces, get your Gurmag anglers as early as possible, that kind of stuff, and just say, right, you can't, you can't block these very well. It's going to take, you know, you're going to have the right removal. Um, and even then, if I've got like a lot of threats, how how good's that going to be? Having, oh, I've got this one path of exile. Well, I've got three or four creatures. Um, and yeah, and that's quite nice. But then the late game, it's just like, well, you've got all of the nice things that Red Black has that allows it to do quite well. Yeah, I mean, Thoughtseize is just like almost pinnacle interaction. It's like just, you know, the most interactive you can be in the format is, oh, let me just look at your hand and I'm going to get rid of whatever it needs to be. Either, you know, the key counterspell or combo piece for your opponent, uh, whatever. And then you have Faithless Looting, which is... You know, some of the best filtering that you can have in the format, just digging through your deck, churning through your deck, uh, getting rid of a lot of extra cards, and then actually utilizing that by delving it away with Gurmag Angler or something, you know, discarding a Bloodgast or a Kindling Phoenix, just getting tremendous value. Um, yeah, and, you know, red-black, we see dominating standard. Red-black's killing it in modern. Uh, it's a pretty powerful color combo. It's a good time to be a red-black... Uh, leaning player I'll, I'll be honest with you oh yeah i mean for me though it's not hollow one that's not the one I, that's not the deck i want to be playing in modern for me i think we we didn't see it too as much as i would have liked to have but it, we saw some cool games it was a really nice game um which is like i think it was it was actually it was marty pyromancer against humans and to see someone win when they go to one against something like humans is just it's always exciting to see someone win at one life. Um, but, yeah, especially against a deck like Humans. I, I think I watched that match as well. Um, I don't remember who was playing in it, but, I mean, Marty was just such a grindy deck. It's so crazy, man. And it, it, a deck like that gives you so much room to, like, flex your capabilities and just play tight for such a long period of time um, and really reap the benefits of that or from that. Um, mm-hmm. And that did kind of the thing that you were talking about what you want to do in standard right that was causing people to discard cards that was playing these really cool creatures that also were able to do things like you know you had to discard your hand but maybe you don't have anything in your hand so it's great and then draw cards or make all of these like threats like the young pyromancer and then you had like for example lily the last hope and it's just like right cool well i'm going to basically play a bedlam reveler and i'm going to chump with it and then i'm going to use lily to get it back and i'm going to play a bedlam reveler get more just cards amazing. and just just loop. amazing and it was just beautiful and you know what's so cool about magic is that like things tend to maintain balance a lot of the way through or at least the semblance of balance so it's like while this guy's going off with the bedlam revelers and stuff you know his opponent is also still somehow miraculously keeping up 
until the very end. Like his opponent got him to one and kept pressuring him and forced him to keep doing it. So it's this amazing back and forth like the whole way through. That's what makes the exciting game uh, for both players and for the viewers and commentators. So, um, yeah, that's what I love so much is when you start grinding and your opponent's like, all right, we're grinding. Like, I'll grind with you. But, you know, you were the one that came prepared to grind. So ultimately, that's what Marty does. It's very, very hard to outgrind Marty in, in modern. That's kind of the point of the deck. Yeah. I mean, it, it got to like, it was uh, Jan Mar- Merkel, Jan, Mar- Jan Martz Merkel, was it? Um, and he got to like 14 or less cards in his deck. Like, that was the point. It was just like, I'm fine. This is fine. Oh, no, it was less than that. I think it got even less than that, which was amazing. Um, And then you win just in time. You win just in time. That's all you need. Yeah, I I do like that grindier thing. Because it's like, I mean, I like to say of myself as a control player, and and I do like to do things like like to counter plenty of spells. But, like, Mardu, Control, Pyromancery, Planeswalkery decks, I actually really have a soft spot for well, it's just a different kind of control. It's very much playing to control the pace of the game, but in a much more, I don't want to say like a subtle fashion, but it's less in your face. You're mm-hmm. playing less cards that say counter spell, destroy all creatures. You're playing less of those, but you are very much controlling the game with the lingering souls, thought seizes, uh, you know, and instead of a card like Brainstorm, I guess it's not legal in the format, so I should say instead of something like Serum Vision, instead you have Faithless Looting. Yeah. Um, but you're seeing the same number of cards, right? I guess a little bit different number of cards, but... Hmm. Well, Fair Flutin uh, is technically disadvantage. Yeah, it's disadvantage until you hit the backside, right? And then it's equal. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like equal, but not until you actually use the backside, which is the more expensive side. But a lot of times you don't need that. Like, a lot of times it's just advantage to discard two blood gas and then play a land and bring it back. Um, so that's that's what's really interesting, is setting up a card like that. No, exactly. Or, like, oh, in the case of the Pyromancer deck... Like putting these things in so you could play by this Bedlam Reveler for two red. It's yeah. like, God, fearful is looting enough, and now it costs nothing. Can I have three cards, please? Bish, bash, bosh. And yeah, and I, I, I like that kind of thing. I think uh, if if Standard had more like early interaction for that kind of deck like that, in that controlling fashion, then it probably would be something I'd be trying to play, but... I mean, there's some cheap interaction, but it's just mostly, you know, you don't have thought seize. I think that's really what it comes down to is you can put duress in your deck, but like that might not hit a relevant thing early enough. Like thought seize, even against burn, just takes a bolt or a goblin guide or an idol on. You're happy to hit those cards with your thought seize. Um, you're not happy that you, you know, fetch shocked thought seize on the play and you're a 15 uh, against burn, but you are, it's still, you know, it trades for something, but like duress against mono red, like, even if you hit a spell, it's it's not what you need to be doing in the early game. You're going to die before the fact that you hit a spell matters, um, probably. So yeah. you have Fatal Potion, Magma Spray, and you have Shock, and uh, you have all these kill spells and removal spells, but you don't have the cheap enough disruption. Maybe you need to be blue to have something like Spell Pierce, but even still, it's just non-creature. Um, I don't really know a good way to... Uh, to simulate thought seize when you or when you don't have thought seize. Um, I just think you can't really. Um and that's the thing. So that's why counter spells are better, because it's like, well, instead of taking them out of your hand early and then leaving you with like, you know, a shell of what you wanted to do, when you try to do it later on, I'm just gonna tell you not to. 
Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And I, I guess they're, I don't know, I mean, what's the most punishing one-drop Bomat Courier? Soon to rotate. Um, I personally love that card, as I'm sure you could uh, guess. Um, I'll miss it when it's gone, for sure. I'll also be excited for the possibilities it opens up as far as, you know, other cards and decks evolving. Uh, do you like that about, like, a format like Standard, that it, like, you know, comes and goes? Or are you more of, like, you know, you want to play modern and you want to buy cards and know that they're going to be relevant uh, in a year's time or whatever. I like the fact that standard rotates. I do. Because it is these interesting challenges, right? It's um, the metagame changes more than necessarily it does in things like modern, definitely in legacy. Um, because it has to, right? If cards just disappear, <laughs> then you've got to change your decks. You've and, and you go, right, this deck doesn't work anymore, so you've got to get something new. Now, you could talk about it from like a financial perspective, it's quite annoying, because you have to put money into these cards, which, like, if you wanted to play a tournament now, and let's say that some of the best decks were predominantly Kaladesh-based, um, or or even, like, I mean, to be fair, up to, like, Amonkhet and stuff like that as well, so if you play, like, a Scarab God deck, it's like, if you had to buy Scarab Gods to play a tournament, you might think that was annoying, but then if you've been doing that from earlier on, it's not too bad, but it's, I still think it's really nice, um, and to be fair, hmm, it's nice, it really is. I do like modern for the fact that it, you can technically keep the same deck for, like, years, yeah, I mean, it's that kind of, you know, if, if you wanted to play a GP this weekend in a standard, sure, you have to buy Scare of God, but if it's modern, you have to buy Fetchlands. So, and that's going to be a lot more, although it's just in six months, those Fetchlands are still Fetchlands, where the Scare of God is now a joke in a, in a distant memory. I'm going um, to try to play it in modern when it rotates, I think. Well, I mean, no one's playing Scare of God in modern now. Why do you think they'll be playing it after it rotates? Well, for the... Because, because, because why not, you know? Um, look at Reflector Mage, okay. you know, that that really Was didn't that... see modern play until after rotation. You know what's crazy is, because I just started playing with Amonkhet, so a card like Reflector Mage that I first see in modern, I'm like, damn, this card's so powerful, okay, the, yeah, this is just like another card in modern, like Thalia or Mantis Rider or whatever. Just like, oh, damn, these hell powerful cards that wouldn't be in standard. Like, it's, like, you know, I see Fatal Push. I'm like, hey, that card's also in Standard. But and then you tell me Reflector Mage was in Standard recently enough that you remember it like yeah. it wasn't that long ago. And that, like, trips me out. Like, oh, wow, a card that powerful is in Standard? Yeah. But but it's all context. It's all the environment that it's in. I just feel like, oh, man, I'm glad my opponents don't have access to Reflector Mage today. Reflector Mage on my Bowmat Courier? No, thank you. Oh, yeah. Well, that sounds horrible. Hey, that's why they banned it. Like... Oh, they banned they, It was banned in standard, yeah, because it, it was part of the blue-white flash deck, which was insanely powerful. I think it never got, like, time arcs, but it was, like, I think it was dominant in so many places, and, like, all the numbers were fantastic. So, like, it, it was just one of those where, like, wow. nobody, like, properly, properly, like, won a tournament. Well, no, there were a few tournament wins, but... Was yeah, that the only to... card they banned from the deck? Just um, one card? No, they also both and Smuggler's Copter, but oh, arguably they banned that from every deck. Yeah, every deck puts Smuggler's Copter. <laughs> so, right? yeah. But, like, you well, never know with some of these cards, right? If you think how long it took to Regal Gearhawk to go into modern. Like, I'm not saying it's, like, a modern stable, but, like... Which Gearhawk? Uh, Torrential. Oh, yeah. 
Um, I mean, it, I hate that card. I love it and I hate it. I, I'm, I'm starting to cast it more and more, but God, that card is such a blowout when it's cast against me. Yeah. Almost all the time. So powerful. Um, I would start to think that it would be too expensive for modern, but modern seems to be slowing down a little bit. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't play it enough to say that confidently. If you want to basically snapcast a, a spell which costs four mana or great, well, four mana, let's just say four mana, it is exactly the same as long as it's an instant, except yeah. you get a five six instead of a two one. That's why people like to run one of them. Because they're like, well, we're running to fairy, so like, if I want to go to five mana, I want to go to six, and I can go to six if, even if I've got five mana, thanks to Teferi. As Canter is also a ramp spell, people forget about that. So these these blue decks, that's why they're able to like do a little bit better as well, because they can they have more mana again. Like like they don't they don't need the time as much because they're like right cool I'll just unturn whatever quickly flip this bam I mean that's that's why Search for Canter is in uh, in standard in the in the Godfather's gift deck it's so then you can turn free um, you can actually turn free refurbish I don't know about that I um, you can <laughs> well no I know that you can I know about that. But as regarding why it's in the deck, my understanding was that you normally don't flip. I guess if it is turn three and you're holding refurbished, then you flip it. But just for why it's in the deck, I think it's no, it's there for combo more decks. Things. Yeah, combo decks naturally want filtering, and I think if you have seven more cards, you usually still don't flip it because the ability to see a card like a champion of wits and put it in your graveyard and then bring it back uh, in future turns. That's just value. Just binning a champion of wits off of the scry is just value. I guess it's not a scry, but um, no, I mean, I'm yeah. just saying like the only reasons you, yeah, you're right. The only reasons you flip it in Godfather's gift is if you really need that other mana to do something or, broken. or if you have, to, or if you have to dig to stay alive and find a cast out for Hazaret or something where you're probably already losing. Or find your um, negates against control. Mm, exactly and uh, even then point, yeah. it's not very flipping good. i could see flipping against control potentially because it's just going to drag on you can also um, just find a godfarer's gift if you're at that point if you've hmm, got to right. that stalemate yeah i guess so this marks the end of the first half of the pro tour 25th anniversary podcast for pieces of the puzzle due to timing restraints and when we could record it's taken a little longer than usual to complete this episode of the podcast Thank you very much for listening. I've been Afrothos and my guest has been Buttons Gaming. Please check them out and I hope to see you next time.